starts on the 1st of December um, when we open the first window on our Advent calendars. But actually, technically, um, Advent started last Sunday because it's the four Sundays prior um, to Christmas. Um, but we tend to just kind of think of it in terms of, well, Christmas is coming, and we start to get excited. And next week is our Christmas special, as we said, um, the greatest story, fantastic opportunity to invite um, friends, neighbors, family members, um, colleagues, um, people will come to church at Christmas time um, that wouldn't normally come to church. Um, so let's not waste that opportunity um, to invite people along to be part of what's going on um, next Sunday. Um, but as we start to think about Christmas, um, we start um, very often to think about the nativity and the birth of Jesus and the stable and the manger and the shepherds and, and so on. Um, some very excited children about being sheep next week. Um, I'd like us to um, read together. Um, something of that story. Um, and it's something that we're going to keep coming back to repeatedly throughout um, December, um, this story of the birth um, of Jesus. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 21. So either turn it up in your own Bible, in your own version, or you can follow along on the screen. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. In those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. 
It's an amazing story, isn't it? Um, there is a real danger that we turn it into a kind of like nice little fairy story. Um, but it's an amazing story of how God, the creator and sustainer of our whole universe, was born into our world. He existed before time began. He's always been mighty, everlasting God, awesome, above all things like we were singing about today. He is this incredible, awesome and powerful, mighty God. And yet he was born into our world. Born very naturally in human form as a human being. And born in a, and laid in a manger. I don't know if you noticed when we read that passage, but three times, more than pretty much anything else, Luke seems to emphasize in the story almost as if he can't quite get over it himself. They laid him in a manger. Now, we don't use that word manger very often, so we associate it with Jesus. It's like, what's a manger? Oh, that's where you put a Jesus, if you've got one. <laughs> But a manger, well, it's, it's, it's actually the same root as the, the French word. I don't know any other languages, forgive me. But manger means to eat, okay? And it's the same spell. It, a manger is what animals eat out of, yeah? So when it says they laid him in a manger, it wasn't like a spiritual thing, like made of gold at the front of the church. It was a feeding trough. This God Almighty creator and sustainer of all things, was born as a human baby and laid in a feeding trough where the cattle and the sheep were eating. I'd like you just to watch this short video clip for a moment.
hard to get your head around that that was God. Well, obviously it wasn't actually God. <laughs> but God looked like that. God came into the world like that. It's hard to get your head around, isn't it? God Almighty, the God that we worship, would come and be that vulnerable in our midst. We do believe that he's awesome and powerful. We do believe that he created and sustains everything. But when he wanted to restore his amazing kingdom, his rule of love and justice and mercy and compassion and grace, after we as humanity had made a mess of things, when he wanted to come to us, when he was not satisfied to remain distant and far off from us, but he wanted to reach out to us in love. How did he come to us? He came humble and vulnerable, just like us. He came just like us. He was born just like we are born. That's what we mean by incarnation. God in the flesh. God in human form. God comes and lives amongst us. And if we learn different things from the, from the incarnation, but the thing I want us to think about today, um, as we think about this amazing truth, is just the humility and vulnerability of God as a baby. The humility and vulnerability. He did not come with a great trumpet fanfare, um, with the whole world just suddenly aware that he'd arrived, but he came in this obscure, um, you know, whatever, stable, whatever it was, cave, that where, they kept, where the innkeeper had no room for them and where they kept the animals. We know that because he was laid in a manger Mighty God comes so humble and so vulnerable. Just um, put that picture um, on the screen again, if you will, of the baby Jesus. This is how God came to us. Just take it in for a moment. This is how God came to you. This is how God sent himself into our world. And then think about this, something that we say quite often in this church, something we remind ourselves of quite often. Jesus sends us into the world in the same way that the Father sent him. Jesus sends us, John 17, 18, John 20, 21, Jesus sends you and me into our world, into our families, 
into our workplaces, into our communities. He sends us the same way that the Father sent him. And yes, that includes with anointing. And yes, that includes with power and authority. But actually, surely it must also include that he sends us humble and vulnerable in humility. It's true that Jesus secured the ultimate victory over the enemy. And it's true that Jesus has called us to share in his victory. And and we love that, don't we? We love that. We're called to be overcomers. We're called to be victorious. Um, We know what the final outcome is. We know that we're on the winning side. We are overcomers. We're champions. We're the head and not the tail If we stand firm in Jesus, then we will overcome. It's true. Our destiny is certain. If we will hold on to Jesus, if we will keep our faith in him, then our eternal destiny is assured. But sometimes, sometimes I think this can become a little twisted in our thinking. And we can start to think that being the head and not the tail and being overcomers and being victorious, it's almost like Jesus promised that I would always be the most senior person in my workplace. Or Jesus promised that I would always be the one that gets all the favor uh, at the expense of everybody else around me. As As if being an overcomer, as if being victorious, as if being on the winning side, I'm a winner, don't you know? It's almost as if the people I'm beating are the people in the world around me. Or that he is controlling all of our circumstances around us to give us priority over all those ungodly heathens around us. That can creep into our thinking if we're not careful. That somehow what God's all about is just manipulating everything so that you can be successful, so that you can have the best, so that you can have the cream. As if those who didn't know Christ, as if those who don't know Christ around us were somehow the enemy trying to stand in the way of your success. And of course, first of all, we remind ourselves of what Paul said in Ephesians 6 and verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We are not and have never been at war with the people around us in our society We are sent to the people around us in our society. We are sent to them in love and grace and compassion. We are sent in the same way that Jesus was sent into our world. We are sent to them. We are sent to love them. We are sent to bring a message of hope to them. We are sent to serve them. We are sent to lay our lives down in service of people around us. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We are not trying to come out on top of the people in the world around us. In coming to us as a human, God was showing empathy for us. In coming to us as a human, he showed how much he cared about humanity. How much he identifies with humanity. How much he loves 
humanity. And the enemy manifests himself in principalities and powers and demonic forces that are at work in our world, seeking to undermine God's kingdom of love and justice and righteousness, peace and joy. There is an enemy, but it's not the people around us. The enemy who works through world powers and systems and and demonic forces. But we are called. We are called to take our stand against those things. We are called to speak out against the injustice. We are called to stand up for the marginalized and the oppressed. We are called to stand up for those who are bound up and oppressed by those forces at work in our world. And we are called to live alongside those who experience the brokenness of our world. Because that's what God did. He came and he lived amongst us. He came and he experienced our vulnerability. He came and he experienced our weakness. I mean, look at how how vulnerable, how fragile, how weak God was when he was just a tiny newborn baby. I don't know um, how many of you have seen or held a just-born baby, but they're even more tiny and fragile and vulnerable than the ones you normally see portraying Jesus in the films, who is clearly actually a few weeks old. (laughs) And that's why I love that clip, because you got to see just that, that vulnerability, that tenderness, that weakness, that frailty. How can that be God? How can that be the champion of the world? How can that be the overcomer, the all-conquering king, the victorious one? The one who is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. The one who is the head and not the tail. How can that be God so humble, so vulnerable? He comes to live alongside those who experience the brokenness of our world. Because you see, Jesus said this. um, Well, let's read from Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10 and verses 16 to 20. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account you will be brought before the governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles... But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. I mean, let's think about this as a moment. Wouldn't you rather that Jesus had said, I am sending you out like wolves among sheep? Wouldn't we rather be on the winning side? Wouldn't we rather be kind of the, 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 the powerful ones? Wouldn't we rather that actually, you know, they'll come against you, but don't worry because you'll just knock them all down. 
don't worry, they'll come and try and arrest you, but they won't get near you because you'll be all powerful and, uh, and you'll be in charge and you'll be in control and you'll be running everything. In fact, you'll be filling the council with Christians and there won't be any non-Christians left. We, we kind of have these ideas in our minds, don't we? That what success might look like, what, what overcoming might look like. But Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Well, thanks, Jesus. You are sending us out, knowing what wolves do to sheep, you are sending us out like sheep among wolves. You're sending us out there to be vulnerable. You're sending us out there to be in a place of humility, where people don't all look at you and think you're the really powerful one who's got it all together, who you don't necessarily get to be in charge in each and every situation that you walk into. Jesus sends you from a place of humility and vulnerability because he sends you in the same way that the Father sent him. If things are tough for you right now, if things aren't entirely going your way in your workplace, if you're not the one at the top of the list for promotion, even though you hear people in church saying, oh, God will promote you, but right now you feel like disqualified because you're not the one at the top of the list. And maybe things have been really hard. Maybe you're under performance management. I don't know. Or maybe things are going really difficult in your family. Maybe your, your kids are going through some stuff and you just don't know what all the answers are and you haven't got it all together and you haven't got that perfect looking family that you think that everyone else in church has got, but actually they're in the same place as you. Maybe things are, are tough for you in, your, in your relationships in different kinds of ways right now. Maybe everything isn't all together in your life. Maybe you feel vulnerable. Maybe you think if people kind of knew, hear everything that was going on in your world. Or maybe sometimes you feel the pressure at work to put on a show. Maybe you feel like you've got to say the right thing. You've got to have the right answers. I want to tell you this morning, nothing disqualifies you. None of your humility, none of your vulnerability disqualifies you from being a witness to the power of God at work in our world. Nothing about your imperfect life means that you don't qualify to be a witness to Jesus. When Jesus comes into our world as a tiny, vulnerable baby, he shows us it's not about your human strength. It's not about your human strength. Because even when Jesus grew up, the Bible tells us there was nothing about him to attract us to him. The minute you see a portrayal of the life of Jesus with Jesus looking attractive, it's unbiblical. Because <laughs> the Bible says there was nothing about him to attract us to him. He was unremarkable in that sense. Nothing about his Nothing about who he was, was was just because of he was humanly better than other people. Does that make sense? It's about who God is inside of you. It's not about your outward successes. It's not about what you achieve in your own strength. Nothing disqualifies you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 26 to 31 tells us that he has called the weak and the foolish. 
He's called the lowly and the despised. He's called the things that are not in this world. I love that expression. If you read those verses, it talks about the things that are not. All the things that you think you are not. All the things you think you ought to be but are, are not. All the things you know that God has called you to be but are not. But God has called that which is not in our world. The foolish, the despised. Everything you think that disqualifies you. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 7 to 10, we read this. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. This context of this verse is Paul talking about a thorn in his flesh. Something, we don't know what it is exactly, um, but something that's troubling Paul and it's persistently troubling him and, and he's asking God to take it away from him. And it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 from halfway through verse 7. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Nothing about his frailty, his weakness, his vulnerability in his birth prevented Jesus from becoming the most spiritually significant human being to ever walk the face of this planet. In your weakness, God's power is made perfect. In your vulnerability, as you go out amongst sheep, like sheep amongst wolves, as you go out not trying to puff up your chest, not trying to prove somehow by acting tougher or speaking more authoritatively or, or trying harder, that's not how God is going to do it. But his power and his strength will be made perfect in your humility and your vulnerability in your trust in him. He wants to move in you and through you from a place of humility and vulnerability. Because when we humble ourselves, we acknowledge it's not through my strength, it's not through my achievements, but God is able to move through me. God does not write me off. God does not look at me and count me out. God does not think he's not clever enough or she's not funny enough or they're not trendy enough. Or God does not look at what human beings look at. But he looks at you and he says, do you know what? I love you so much. I gave my son Jesus Christ for you. I gave my life so that you could be in fellowship with me. And if you will let me, I will make my power perfect in you and through you. If you will allow me to, if you will come as you are, there is nothing to stop me making Jesus famous through you. You know, some of the most incredible testimonies in my life have been when I really thought, 
but I wasn't up to much. I remember a time when I was in um, visiting a church and, and they had a, a healing room and um, some of you heard me tell this story before. They, they had a healing room and I'd gone to visit and they had this system where you had different colored dots um, to show whether you were allowed to pray or whether you could observe someone else praying. Or So I, I thought I'd just gone there as an observer, but they gave me this dot which was like, not only could I pray, but I was one that other people should come and learn from how to pray. And I was like, how on earth did this happen? Um, and so all these like young students from, from their Bible college are all gathering around me to see how is this mighty man of God going to heal the sick people. And I was praying, Lord, just give me someone with a headache, please. And, and, and this person comes up. And I'm like, headache, headache, headache. And this person comes up and he's got this mangled leg from a motorbike accident. And I was like, oh. And all these people are just like watching, what's his technique? What's he going to do? And it was, it was just, it was just a, like, oh, God, please. In that moment, I knew I didn't have the answers. In that moment, I knew I was vulnerable. I knew that I didn't know what I was doing. I knew I was completely out of my depth, and I just prayed and I didn't pray a fancy prayer and I didn't have a powerful prayer I didn't have a, a a great moment a great crescendo there were no sustained chords playing in the background and I just prayed and I thought that was it I just thought oh well we'll move on and then suddenly his wife was getting all excited and she and and she picked out a phone and she showed me and his, his leg was completely different to how he'd come in that day and, they, and she said, she said, well, God told us that um, it would be today that he got healed. And his leg would be completely changed. And, it, you know, she showed me pictures, actually, that it used to be, they were like different legs because of the, the warpedness in his leg. Um, and how they were, um, you know, it was like, it wasn't like perfect, but it was like he could walk without being kind of lopsided, which was pretty good. <laughs> You know, their faith, um, God moved powerfully, and I got to be part of something. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a clue. I was really nervous. I didn't really have loads of faith because I was asking for a headache. <laughs> but God's power was made perfect in my weakness. Another time I was in a church, uh, it was actually in Cuba, and again, some of you have heard me tell the story, um, and, and I was trying to convince the church there that God could move through all of us um, and so I was trying to get them to pray for one another. And they were getting confused because they just assumed, well, you're the man of God. You should, we should come out and you should lay hands on us and you should pray for us. But eventually they got the idea and they, they started to pray for one another. And suddenly there was so much commotion in this church building. And it was all going on in Spanish, so I didn't quite understand what was happening. But eventually someone interpreted for me. Um, and this man came forward and he had... Um, this white fluid just like streaming down his face because he'd come into the meeting blind and as this lady prayed for him, she'd heard a message that God could move through anyone and she'd prayed and his cataracts had burst and he could see. And I was like, you must be an apostle. She said, no. I said, well, you must at least be like a minister in the church. She said, no. And and this, I had a lot of fun with this, and this went on for ages. Tell me, you must at least be. And she was like, no, I'm just an ordinary person. 
His power is made perfect in our weakness. Don't count yourself out. Don't think you've got to have the perfect life. Don't be expecting that somehow God moving through you is going to look like you being bigger and better than people around you. Just be happy to be little old you. Just be happy to be weak and vulnerable. Let him send you like sheep among wolves. Don't try and think that it's all about you being the most successful person. Don't try and think that your witness is diminished if you go through stuff too. Don't think that if you've got an ordinary life and ordinary things just happen to you and you're struggling just like the people all around you, that does not disqualify you. Because God's power will be made perfect in your weakness. Amen? Father, we open our hearts to you. We say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. We say yes to being sent like you were sent. We say yes to being sent like you were sent. If you want to send us in our weakness, in our humility, and in our vulnerability, if that means sometimes we are rejected or despised, that means that we are unimpressive, that means that we are weak, then we will boast all the more in our weaknesses. If your power gets to be displayed in and through our lives, because we want you to be glorified, Lord Jesus. We want people in some way to be able to take a look at us see something of you working in us and through us and give glory to you and find that you can make the same difference in their lives too. So we give you our lives again, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the incarnation. We thank you that you, mighty God, came and lived amongst us, humble, vulnerable, fragile, we say yes to being sent by you. Let your power be made perfect in our weakness in Jesus' name. Amen.